Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We ask that you'd speak clearly to us. We turn our hearts to hear from you this evening. Now, cause us to become people that listen and obey to what you're telling us. Uh, give us wisdom and insight. Let the spirit of revelation be upon us as we listen to your logos. And we just want to bless you for all that you're doing in us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. And uh, verse 45. So this is actually an interesting, for what I'm going to cover this evening, I'm actually talking about times of refreshing, but we kind of need to have a little back, uh, background understanding of this idea of why God even does this. Why does God bring times of refreshing, and why is that important to you? I mean, shouldn't it just be enough we're saved? No, there's actually something the Lord's after that he wants you to actually expect from him because he has announced he's going to do this. So let's find out what this is about. So in Daniel chapter 2, we actually have an Old Testament prophet, and he's had a dream of a statue that's made out of different elements. And the elements actually represent different kingdoms and different times. And in this dream Daniel has, he, he actually gets the interpretation and when he interprets it for the king, he ends up telling Nebuchadnezzar, well, you're going to be the greatest king. But then God comes and explains more of the dream to him and says, well, that's for Nebuchadnezzar, but what's going to happen is this phenomenal thing is going to come into human history. And that's what we're going to pick up in verse 45. Um, actually, verse 44. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left to another people. It will crush and put the end to all these kingdoms. But itself will endure forever, insomuch that you saw a stone that was cut out of a mountain without hands, and it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future, so that the dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. And as it goes on, he ends up saying that this rock that was taken out from a mountain, not only will it crush this idol and decimate it, it'll actually go from being a rock to the greatest mountain. So what we're actually being given here, this is actually a Messiah prophecy that was given to Daniel. And the rock, what's one of the terms for Jesus? He's the rock. So it's actually telling you that these kingdoms are actually going to be destroyed by a rock, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, and then his kingdom is going to start. And once his kingdom starts, I don't know if you guys ever consider this, but his kingdom actually grows continually. Now, a lot of people think, well, the kingdom of God and this age, they kind of run at the same pace. But the way that Daniel is trying to explain it so that we understand this is after Jesus comes on the planet, and he starts revealing the kingdom to us. The kingdom of God gains in intensity, power, and release until the king comes and stands upon that mountain again. So it's always growing, always increasing, and the intensity is constantly going. Also, the kingdom of men, it doesn't just run parallel with the kingdom of God. It's degrading constantly. So there's two things going on on the planet right now. There's a growing effect of the kingdom and a degrading of the human race at the same time. 
So that's why when you read stuff about the end of the human history, whenever Jesus appears again, it says it'll be extremely evil and yet extremely glorious because there's going to be two realities being shown to mankind, and they're going to be actually extreme. Isn't that interesting? Because of what happens in human history. Now, turn with, now I'm going to get to what we want to look at now. Would you turn with me to Acts chapter 3? Verse 19 and 20, Acts chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. Now, in this passage, what's really interesting, let me make sure I can read it here correctly to you guys. Peter and John have actually come into the temple. A guy that was born crippled had actually been healed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And now they're, they're dancing and screaming, and um, they're actually responding to this, and they're beginning to describe to the crowd why God has done this powerful miracle. Now remember, Jesus has just been raised from the dead. We're 40 days later, and these men, uh, which is really exciting, these guys that look more like the Three Stooges more than anything else while Jesus is training them, they're actually now able to do exactly what Jesus is doing. Exact, 40 days later, they're doing exactly what Jesus is doing. And it, it's amazing them, and it's amazing the crowd, and they begin to describe to the people what they're actually observing, which we need to understand this. And so look with me in Acts chapter 3, verse 17. Let's go ahead and start reading. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did the, our rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all prophets that his Christ must suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore. Turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed to you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive, until the time of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets from your brothers. Okay, so there's a lot actually being given here. This is why I had to give you the context of Daniel. This is something that an Old Testament prophet spoke. Here Jesus has actually come on the scene, and now this idea of this impact of him destroying the kingdoms of darkness has actually hit the human scene. And now there's this acceleration that's happening, and the Bible is actually beginning to describe what God is going to be doing from this point forward, and it's supposed to affect all of us. So what we want to do is the first thing is we want to just start working through what the Scripture is actually telling us here. Um, he, it begins to say, now God is already, isn't this amazing? God has already announced to us that he's going to be doing this in your life and my life. The, the problem isn't that God is doing something. The problem is that most of the time when God's doing something, I'm not paying attention, so I'm missing most of what's going on around me, and I'm just letting the nightly news tell me how bad the world's getting all the time. So I get among you guys, and we, and we start the, the woes of the end of the world. It's all going to hell. There's no hope. Is Jesus doing anything? Do you guys ever hear that in the community? Because we don't understand this. We don't talk to each other about what the kingdom's doing. We just focus on what the kingdom of darkness is doing. We just think, well, that's the end of all of this. Well, the Bible actually wants to address this with us. So first thing is we want to look at this idea, of, and we're going to start working through it. He tells them to repent and turn back that their sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What is he trying to address here? Well, let's start with the word repent. It's actually interesting. There's two Greek words, which I know Stephanie is excited about that, two Greek words for the word repent. So depending on what, when you're reading it in the passage, now 
in the day and age when they were using these words, they knew exactly what that word for repent meant. It didn't just mean repent. There's two ways that repent or repentance is used. So are you guys ready? The first word, which this is this word, is called metanoia. Aren't you excited you heard that Greek word, metanoia? What does this mean? It actually does, most people say repent means to change your mind. But this is really important. This word means to let the light in. So the two words of repentance are fascinating in the New Testament because one word means you have to let the light in first before you can change your mind or change the way you live. Now, how many of you have had someone say, would you guys repent? And, and we walk around like in dark going, how do you do that? It's because the light hasn't come in to change our mind. This is fascinating. I wonder what that beep is. Someone must be getting ready for dinner. So it means to be changed after I experience something. You guys ready? Think about that. So the Bible is actually saying now, when God is doing something on the planet, you actually can't understand it or observe it until he comes and puts the light on it so that you can see it. But then the Bible actually expects you to respond to that. Now, isn't that interesting? How do you and I respond to something? Now, um, hopefully this will help you guys because it only took me 20 years to figure this out. Okay. One person enjoyed that. So... Thank you for laughing at my immaturity. So what has taken me 20 years to figure out? That when God gives, he shows me something that I haven't seen before, he wants me to think about what he's trying to show me, the impact it's supposed to have on my life, and how I'm actually supposed to respond to it. Now, I don't know if Paula had this, but one of the things we did when I was learning, can you imagine, when I was going through Bible college and we used to study the scripture, the whole goal of studying the scripture, learning at the, uh, looking at what they call the original language and doing this exercise called an exegesis is so that we could read the passage, say, what is the impact of the passage? How does it affect me and how should I change my life in response to that? And anywhere inside of me that doesn't respond to that, I need to get in the presence of the Lord so he can change and mold my nature to follow his word. Well, that's how we would understand the idea of studying scripture, but it's the same thing with the presence of the Lord. When God gives light to you in some area of your life, he's saying, don't just pass that by and go, wow, that was interesting. He's saying, let it affect you. And every part of you that doesn't understand what's going on, get with the Lord and say, what was the impact of that? Where were you trying to go? Because he's trying, you guys get it? He's trying to let you follow how the kingdom is going. And the kingdom is always growing, always going deeper, and always going for more impact in you and in me. And that's why this is used very specifically. Repent. And then it, it goes into this idea that when you repent of your sins, they'll be blot out. And then it says times of refreshing. That's why I went into the whole Daniel passage. When we say times, it's the, there are two terms for time also in the Greek New Testament. Chronos, this is where we get linear time. It's where we use the word chronology, the beginning and the end of something. And then there's the word kairos. Now kairos is this Greek word that's being used in this passage. So think about it. When the light of God shows you something, you're to change the way that you view it because this is a strategic thing. That's the word where kairos means it. Let me see if I say it correctly. It not just only means an appointed time, it means a time of opportunity is being given to you. Now think about that. The Lord lets the light come in, you change your mind, and an opportunity is being given to you by the Lord Jesus Christ specifically for whatever God is showing you in your life. It's not just informational. 
And you guys realize culturally, we love studying and talking about the information. Was that cool what Jesus showed you? But that is a, like a door being opened to you for you to understand it so you can step into it. See, it's an opportunity. These things called Kairos moments are very powerful because it means that the grace of God, another way the word is used, is it means the grace of God is coming to a point. There's a head to this thing. And so when the Bible is saying, now look, God is doing these powerful things. Don't just brush them off and go, well, that was kind of cool. It's saying, let it have an effect on you because God has not only opened a door, but he's bringing something to the head of something, and you're to rush into it as fast as you can so the breakthrough that you're longing for in your life and my life happens to you. Gosh, am I getting kind of intense? I'm just yelling at you guys. I just I need to relax here. Okay. Now, what is, what is this, this opportune time that God has given you? Let's look at the passage. It says, times of refreshing. So there's an opportunity of refreshing. Now, um, for your edification, do you know there's no word revival in the New Testament? There's no word for revival in the New Testament. There's words for renewal, and there's words for refreshing. But there's no word for revival in the New Testament. Now, we talk about revival all the time in our culture, but the New Testament doesn't use the word. So... Does that bless you? We can go home now. But why am I sharing that with you? Because the Bible is very intentional to use very specific words to try to get a concept across to you and I that's more important than just being, revival means to be awakened from the dead. Well, guys, I don't need to be awakened from the dead as a believer. Once I meet Jesus, he says he's given me eternal life. So I'm drawing from that reality. So I don't need to have another experience of being awakened from the dead. I need to be refreshed and renewed by the presence of the Lord. So that's why this is being used. Now think about it. God gives you light of something in your life that he's wanting you to change. He's wanting you to respond to it so that you change your attitude towards it so that he can give it to you. It's a door of opportunity. It's a strategic time in your life, whatever God is introducing to you. And then it says, what is this opportune time? How do you recognize it? And then the word refreshing is given. God is going to bring times of refreshing. Now, you have to understand that when you come to Scripture, we actually do this by nature because culturally this is the way we live. We come to Scripture and we see it as well, God's speaking individually to me. And you're supposed to come to Scripture that way. But sometimes the Scripture is telling you what we call a two-layer effect of what the Scripture is saying. This is for you personally, but it's something that God is doing globally at the same time. The idea of refreshing, the passage says, hey, if you repent of your sins and you come to the Lord, not only will you go through times of refreshing, he's going to bring refreshing to his people. So there's a dual effect of refreshing. So what does the word refreshing mean? Here, um, <laughs> trying to pronounce this, anakaikasis, that's the Greek word. It means to actually, you ready? Refreshing means to breathe again. Well, that was kind of intense. The roof almost came in. Okay, so <laughs> to breathe again. So that's the word for refreshing, to, <laughs> to breathe again. It also means, ready, to cool something. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Or, ready? It's the idea that when it's a hot day, this Greek word that's used is a cool wind comes and refreshes everybody to where they have life again. That's the idea. So it's actually telling you this. 
Think about what I gave you in Daniel chapter 2. It is telling you that the kingdom of God is always growing. There's always a depth to it, and there's more intensity to it. Every day that you live, the kingdom of God is growing more intense. So it's telling you that what you, you guys ever do this? Oh, I remember 20 years ago when the Lord actually met me. Or I remember last week when the Lord met me, and I want to go back to that place. Do you know why you can't go back to that place? It's because it doesn't matter if you want to go back to it. You're being lifted constantly because of the way the kingdom of God is working. And you don't want to go back to that place because what God's doing now is more intense, more fruitful, and more impactful than even what you experienced 20 years ago. You've got to get into what God's doing right now in your life. Once you understand that, all of a sudden, and this means, you guys ready? This means that you're supposed to change your focus. Now think about this. The reason we look at historical events of what God's doing is we're supposed to understand as a people we have to know the nature of the Lord, but we never live our life living what happened in the past in our own personal life or what has gone on in the body of Christ. We are to recognize that so that it will change our attention to going what's coming in the future. There's a, there's a really interesting concept. You guys ready? Is the future, in your estimation, going to be better than what you're experiencing now by the Lord? Okay, well, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I do too, but it's actually, you guys ready? It's actually guaranteed. God will not do the same thing that he's doing right now. He's got something better, deeper, richer, something that's going to so satisfy you're going to go, gosh, I don't even remember what that experience was. Can you imagine? That's what the kingdom, and when you and I are talking to our kids, we have to push them. Hey, God's going to even do more than my lifetime. It's guaranteed. That's how his kingdom works, and we have to begin to start expecting that to come. Now, this is what goes on with you personally, but it's also promising you that this is how God is moving on the planet. How is God actually moving on the planet? You know, uh, I, when I'm driving with people in cars, we always do reviews of cool things that God's done in our lives. Oh, yeah, do you remember when God showed up and we all rolled around on the ground or lightning hit? Or, I mean, you know, do you guys do this kind of stuff, just remembering the goodness of the Lord? But the problem is, is when we study that, we, we begin to think that's the only way God comes. Now, think about this with me. Every move of God in a community of people, whether it's two people gathering in his name, 300 in his name, or a nation in his name, it's never going to be the same because you're going higher up into who God is. And so he'll never repeat it the same way he did it before. Never. That's why you have to get used to knowing the nature and the goodness of the Lord because you don't know what he's going to do, but you should live in expectation that it's going to be better than what you've experienced. That's why when... You and I are constantly being given this news. Have you guys ever turned on the news and 30 minutes into it, you're thinking, well, I'm pretty sure the Antichrist is going to show up next week because it's just so awful. And nothing's, nothing seems to be going on in the, in the body of Christ and stuff. And you guys ready? That is just an extreme, not to be mean, I think television news is, news is literally just follows the kingdom of darkness around and observes everything his kingdom does. And if you watch that for a while, you're just in despair. You're just like, gosh, is Jesus even Lord anymore? Is there anything even going on on the planet? And yet God, and I'm going to share some of this here with you in a minute, God has never stopped moving. We have to know that stuff's going on, but never focus on that as being our attention or where our hope is in because that's 
the age of man coming to an end, there's another kingdom that's just moving powerfully that hardly any body of Christ even knows that's going on. You'd actually have to go there to observe it or have someone actually tell you, here's what's actually going on in the body of Christ. Last thing we want to do is look at this. It says that there are times that are going to come from the presence of the Lord. Now, I always look at that and think, now, why did the scripture actually have to tell us that? There, these seasons will be times of the presence of the Lord. The amazing thing about refreshing isn't just conceptual. Uh, do you guys realize that when we start off in Christianity, our foundation is to teach people to walk with Jesus, so we have to use the word to train them. But after a certain season, once we understand basic paths of righteousness, we need to understand that those paths of righteousness lead us to a person. His presence is alive, it's real, and we should be living off that, and that's what the scripture is saying. You guys get it? It's great to know Jesus. I love knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, but am I waiting to just see him in the future? Well, I hope I see him in the future. That'd be great when I see him in the future. Well, he's available right now. He's here and saying, live off my presence. Let my presence refresh you. Get into the idea of letting my presence come to you, minister to you, go you into a deeper place, and let this thing that God has told his people for centuries become a reality in your life. Yeah, amen. I was wondering, uh, I think that was Tim, and I was wondering if you guys fell asleep. So thanks, Tim, that helped me out. <laughs> Back in, um, just to kind of give you this, back in um, 1987, when I was living in Colorado Springs, going to Bible college, we had this little, I actually called a little visitation in my apartment building. Uh, in my apartment building, they had four apartments, and all four apartments were uh, Bible college students that I went to school with. So we all lived in this fourplex at, while we were Bible college students. And um, during, that, during a certain season, we have this, uh, to show you how fun this is. So worship is the door to God's presence, right? So someone handed me this tape one time. Do you guys remember the world of tapes? I know the kids are like, what is a tape? <laughs> Do you remember when we used to hand tapes to each other? This person walks up to me and goes, you ought to listen to this. And they hand me a tape. And I look at the title of the tape and it says, Vineyard Music. And I said, is this, did someone like play an instrument at a winery? What is it? And they're like, no, this is the name of a church. And I go, what kind of goofy church would call themselves the Vineyard? Right? Doesn't that sound weird to you guys? It's just even a vineyard. And I used to tell my family, yeah, I go to the vineyard. And they're like, what do you do there? <laughs> so I've never heard this before. Now remember, at this time in my Christian experience, I'm listening to hymns. I put the, I go, Kelly, someone gave me this. Look at the name on it. It's called Vineyard. And I put it in the tape player and I turn it on. All of a sudden, these songs that we had never heard we kept experiencing the power of the Lord would come on us as we're listening to these songs, and we'd start weeping and going, what's wrong with us? We'd turn the tape off, it'd stop, we'd turn it back on, here it'd come again. It was so fun, we actually thought, let's bring our, our neighbors over to see this. So we'd bring our neighbors over and go, now watch, we're going to turn the tape on, and watch what happens when we do that. And so we'd turn it on, and I'd just sit there and stare at them, and they'd stare at me. And then my wife and I would start feeling the presence of the Lord, and we'd start weeping. And then we'd notice as we were looking at them, they're doing the same thing. So 
Uh, every time this kind of stuff goes on, I love bringing people into the middle of it, just see how they respond to things. So all of a sudden, we started grabbing all these different Bible college students and forcing them to come over to our house. We said, hey, come over to our house. We're going to turn this tape on and watch what the Lord does. And you guys, you realize we did this for over a year straight. And it was going on every night. So every night... We're turning on a tape, and we have new people there, and we're, and we're sitting in a group, and the music's playing, and we're starting, you know, after you hear this for a number of days, you know the word, so you start, re- so we're silently singing and looking at each other, and the Spirit of the Lord would come into the middle of my apartment, pick a person, drive them to the ground, they would go through some form of inner healing or deliverance in front of us, we didn't know what we were doing, we're just watching this going, well, this is different. <laughs> They get up off the ground, they're like, what was that? And we're like, I don't know. We're, we're trying to figure it out ourselves. After a year of doing that, we went to a place in the Lord that I actually didn't ever think was possible. We watched the Lord heal people. We didn't even believe in the healing ministry, and he started healing people. We didn't believe in deliverance, and everyone started manifesting demons. You know what that's like to have Bible college students and we're all manifesting demons thought, we were past this? Did you guys ever experience this stuff? Now think about that. That was going on. That changed everybody's life. It changed everybody's life. We were starting to watch signs and wonders happen. We didn't even know that's what it was. It's like, oh, Jesus healed that person. Jesus saved all these people. All of a sudden, all this growth started happening. It was just a time of refreshing. I moved to Kansas City. It seemed like that faded, but it actually didn't because the next time the Lord came, it actually came stronger with more intensity. And as I share the story with everybody, we kept trying to go back to that. Let's turn the tape on again. But the Lord was saying, the tape was a catalyst so that I could come even in more intensity, more power, and more refreshing into the midst of you. Now, why am I sharing this with you this evening? We're going to go into Advent. We're going to talk about all the Christmas stuff But a lot of people, when they look to the future, they go, well, I guess the best days in Jesus are behind us. And Jesus is telling you that's not even close to being true. I don't even have to give a prophetic word. I could tell you this just from Scripture. It is never going to diminish. The Lord is always going to come more power, more refreshing, and more of a depth because it's his nature and his kingdom to build that way in your life. You can even resist it, and he's still going to do it. Isn't that great? All right, now let me tell you this to encourage, and then, Paula, I'm going to turn it over to you, okay? Um, I started realizing um, when I travel around the country and I watch people give announcements about what Jesus is doing, it's usually like this, right? Hey, um, we need to, like, clean the church. Who would like to do that? Or there's a rummage sale we need. And so most people think in the church everything that's going on is we're just trying to clean stuff or do rummage sales, right? And we never hardly have testimonies about what the Lord's actually doing. So I'm going to share this with you. This is what's going on globally right now. In the last 10 or 15 years, this is what's been going on globally. Do you guys remember this thing called the March for Jesus? Did you ever hear that term, the March for Jesus? Now, I was asking some people if they knew if it was still going on up here in Colorado, and I heard it was. I don't know where they're at. But do you guys realize in 2006, the largest March for Jesus had 3 million people in it? It was in San Paulo, Brazil, and it's actually just recorded that. And here's another one. Do you guys remember the Jesus film? Do you know that that's been translated into a thousand languages now, and over 200 million people have made a decision for the Lord from viewing that film? 
Look at this. That's in Campus Crusade, by the way. There were no Christians in, the, in Nepal even into the 1960s. Can you imagine? The whole nation had never been affected. From 1960 to right now, there's a now a church in every part of the districts. Nepal is estimated to have over half a million believers since the 1960s. Here's another one that's really cool. Since the church has started, A.D. 100, right? There was one believer to 370 non-believers at that time in world history. Today, it's one believer to seven non-believers. Now, this is very important that you understand that. Human history has grown. The people that have been on the planet has gone way beyond what was in the world at that time. And look at how powerful the gospel has actually gone into all the nations. Now it's one to seven. It's not one to 360, it's one to seven. And this is beautiful, you guys ready? Every day in the nation of Africa, 20,000 people are coming to the Lord. Every day. In the 1900s, there was, the nation itself was only 3% Christian. Now, it's more than 50% know the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you guys realize how big Africa is as a nation? And 50% of it. When, uh, you know, when we went over there, we stepped into something. We were just like shocked on how people just came to the Lord. It's like, wow, Jesus is literally doing this. And then one more. You guys ready? And we'll finish with this. Um, I was reading a book on miracles, if you can imagine, and it's a statistical book on miracles. There are one billion Christians at this point on the planet, and over 200 million Christians worldwide have either observed a miracle or have experienced a miracle right now on the planet. Isn't that amazing? 200 million people have experienced the miraculous touch of God in their life. That is greater than any move that God has done in past history and is going on right now by the kingdom of God. We are in times of a depth of refreshing, and the Lord wants you to open your heart to it and welcome it. So would you guys join me in doing that? Let's pray. Lord, would you bring the light of your glory near us right now and let us begin to recognize these opportunities that you're giving us. Lord, if it's just lifting us from a place of just our culture that's struggling with hopelessness, give us that opportunity. Let us walk in these things, Lord. If it's, a, if it's a time of just restoration of a new wind of your presence, we say yes to you to do that in our lives. Have your way, O oh Lord, and let your kingdom come forth in us. And now for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, come among them and do more than they ask or even imagine. Let the depth of your love and embrace touch them. And as they move into this season of what we would call Christmas, let it be a season of your kingdom and your presence really engaging them powerfully. And we thank you for that, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.